Hey, it's Nick. For the last few years, my friend Justin has been working on Shards of the Aegis, a super fun Greek mythology-inspired card game, and it's finally ready to launch on Kickstarter. If you like fast-paced party games, this might be for you. The artwork alone is well worth a look. If you're at all interested, please check the link in the description. I'd really appreciate it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Book of the Month. I'm your host, Dan Evanson, joined by my fellow hosts, Rachel. Hello. Katie. That's me. And Peter. Hi, I'm Peter. Uh, today, we're talking about, uh, what's our, what's the topic? I know a book we're Underground. talking about. Underground. Underground books. So Sub-level. We have chosen Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer as our representative for underground books. How did I know? So I know why I picked uh, Annihilation as this, but I guess like what was your guys' thoughts about underground as a topic when we started when we started discussing this? Well, there's two ways that I was thinking about it. The literal as in the book takes place underground or underground as in the underground movement. Yeah, like the hipsters. Or any underground movement, right? Something that is that is beneath the culture, under the surface. Yeah. 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 I thought this one kind of hit two of those, which is number one, uh, there's underground locations in this book that that preoccupy the the narrator, but also it's sort of a, a subculture book. I don't think most people would get into. It. I mean, it's a it's probably the closest like fantasy horror book that I've ever seen that gets, you know, into the realm of, I don't know, kind of prestige fiction that that's ever been, I think in like, you know, 2014 when this book came out, it might've been, you know, one of those summer reads that people are like, Oh, you should read annihilation. It's the hot thing this year, you know, but well, it's, it's no so longer. weird. I, I don't know how like normies would ever <laughs> get into well, it. Well, it has Natalie Portman in it, so. Well, the well, movie. The movie yeah. There's a the, movie? I, yeah. <laughs> it is very different from. How, how yes. many of you have seen the movie? I watched it today. Well, I oh, watched really? the previews when they came out. You, okay. It's very much more focused than uh the book is and doesn't yeah, they, have as the the same sort of no like uh, diary entirely the nature. same at all uh yeah i mean they theme wise they connect pretty well and we can talk about it more uh after we talk about the books from but like i really really like the movie and i one starred this book after my first reading <laughs> But this was your idea to read. It book. is. I've come. So this is a book that I have come to like more after taking some time away from it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, we'll, let's just jump into it. I, I don't think there's too much to say about underground as a as a genre. And I think <laughs> I'm more excited to talk about this book because it it is contentious. 
I think most people that read it either kind of come away, you know, really enjoying it at different levels. And then some people just bounce hard off of it. And I think it's pretty easy to bounce hard off of it the way I did uh, when I first read it. But how did, how did you guys just generally come away from this book? Uh, it it was very hard for me to care about most things. It was interesting and had interesting concepts. I just didn't, it was. Was I, it like it the was narration that kind of made it hard for you to connect? It, it, yeah, it was too short. I didn't have enough time with the characters. Uh, it, it was short by a thousand pages for Rachel. <laughs> I don't read a thousand pages. What are you talking about? She here? likes big books and she cannot lie. <laughs> Katie, yeah, how did you, how did you, uh, what did you think of Annihilation? Yes, it was a book. <laughs> Accurate. Um, I didn't really get it. Like, I I went online and I was, like, looking at some, you know, reviews of it. And some people are like, oh, my gosh, it's such good cosmic horror. And I'm like, it it was? I don't, I don't. This isn't usually my type of thing. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't know. Peter, what was your gut reaction to this book? It's enjoyable, but it's... Um... I think for a lot of people, probably not satisfying. It, uh, I've, I have read some cosmic horror. I'm not what you would call like, you know, deep into it, but I've read some Lovecraft. I've read some Ligotti. And, um, you know, I think this fits into that with a science fiction uh, slant really well. Um, yeah, but it's also very, in some regards, vague because it, it it's trying to describe mind-bending experiences for the characters. And the only way to really do that is to describe things that don't feel concrete to the reader. And so it's necessarily vague. And I've always found vagueness hard to deal with in fiction. Yeah. Um, you say cosmic horror. I've read um, China Mel Melville. Is that how you pronounce uh, it? Mieville. Mieville. And I feel like that's, I like that style better. Like I read The Scar, which is really fun. The Scar is very good. I don't know if I would call, I haven't read all of his work. Um, but I don't think I'd call the ones I've read cosmic horror. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's weird, weird horror or call it, uh, weird. Fantasy. I think I might call it weird fantasy or something like that. But yeah. Um, but I also don't. I read um, the Song of the Void, which was I hated that book. That was also cosmic horror. So I don't. I might just not like cosmic horror. Yeah, I. I will agree with not being a cosmic horror fan. I, uh, I flavor. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there are some cosmic horror that like I really like. Um, I think like Lovecraft Country being one um, that I really enjoyed, but 
Lovecraft Country succeeds in it's because it has a definitive narrative and Annihilation uh, does not have a definitive narrative, I don't think. I mean, you could follow the... Sorry, what? I I lied because I liked um, Victor LaValle's... uh, I did one of his books um, that's based off of Red Hook by Lovecraft. I really liked that one. Mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the title of the book. It's really good, though. Yeah, I mean, I think there's ways to write satisfying Cosmic Core and not like, you know, this one where the end of the novel focuses on something that is unknowable and unseeable to some extent or is like so obfuscated by its nature that the narrator can't really tell us what it is or why it's there or what or why it's doing what it's doing uh only that it is powerful and will crush you uh perhaps unknowingly in the process of it doing its thing um without Honestly, giving us any sort of like explanation of what or why it's there yeah um i didn't even like get that out of the book because of how vague and like kind of between the lines all of that kind of stuff was yeah i think like when i first read it like what secured the one star for me was like i was like well there's like two more books in the southern reach series so surely by the end of the series they'll he'll have answered all these questions he raises and mysteries he's opened up and then i started looking through reviews and it's like no he doesn't come back to these the other two southern reach novels are essentially standalone with vague references to what goes on in Annihilation, so does it have it's, the same characters? It does or not. Character? No, I mean all the all the all the characters in Annihilation. Uh, I don't think they make it. So, <laughs> well, the biologist at the end, she like finds a boat and goes north to follow her husband. Perhaps. Spoiler right, but alert. did he go north? <laughs> you know. Or is he a dolphin? You know, you know, like <laughs> yeah, that's unclear. fair. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um, I was gonna say something, but in this is gonna be a really weird wet reference. But I like how they did like adorable alien weird things in like um, the the expanse. Those are really weird. The yeah, the expanse does a great job of dealing with something that is like beyond our understanding, but still is operating in our physical universe in so much that like uh, we can see the effect it's having and the things it's doing and understand its process, even if we don't necessarily understand the reason or can communicate with it because it's not operating on like a human level of of consciousness. But I think the yeah, it doesn't stop her from killing everyone. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the biggest issue with Annihilation is that it, it's, and this is what I've, I've kind of come around on it, so to speak, is that it's, it's not there to tell a straight up narrative story. Like the path of the biologist and the things that happen in the book are superfluous to some extent to what, Jeff Vandermeer is trying to communicate to us, maybe, you know, like it's one of those books that, you know, it's, it's a, it's an allegory kind of first and foremost, 
and you know metaphor more than it is like actually telling a a straight up and down you know a goes to b sort of narrative because well so i have to at least in part disagree i i I may be with you on the allegory part i'm not sure but there is a definitive narrative there's a very it's not procedural though it's not a character goes and does a thing and the thing has consequences and moves them closer to a goal it is all very internal and emotional and questionable i think can we agree that the biologist is an unreliable narrator oh yeah, yeah 10, i have no idea what yeah. i have no idea what they're talking about half the time it's like okay. right yeah um and so you know she outright says at at points oh you probably would have benefited from knowing this earlier, but I, I saved it for now in the in the the narration so that for for this purpose or for this purpose or because I didn't want to think about it yet. Um, and so you know, it's she's an unreliable narrator, but she is going through uh, you know a mental transformation that you know, that brings her to a kind of conclusive place at the end. We don't feel, I think, at the end, really any more enlightened about what the hell is going on there in Area X. But she has reached some kind of end to her story. And I think that's, I think that qualifies as a, as a concrete narrative arc, uh, whatever the rest of the allegory may be i think what we got is this book is vibes if you're (laughs) if you want a vibes book (laughs) yeah it's mostly milieu instead of like actually things happening yeah and i think like a bigger part of that is that the biologist is not there to do her job right she's not there to find out what's going on with area x she's there to find out what happened to her husband and to some extent she completes that so i you know that part of the narrative is i, I think that is the crux of the of the of her story well again but in terms of like procedurally i don't i don't know if she's there to find out what happened well, she to does her say husband. that specifically she, she does say that oh well I, okay i don't remember that line in particular but like she her narrative arc is one of like coming to a a an understanding of herself and her relationship with her husband before he disappeared oh, sure. or whatever. I don't uh, think she yeah. went to save him or like no. I think she went entirely for selfish reasons. I think the biologist yes. as a character is 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 not a good person like <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I mean, I you say, say not a good person and you just, I mean, that, that implies that maybe she's a bad person. I don't, I don't, she's not there altruistically. I don't think she's there with, you know, evil intent either. I think she's uh, there in a very human fashion. Go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, she doesn't, she doesn't care about other things outside of herself. Really? Yeah, she's very selfish. She is also kind of closed off. She's very close. Yeah. Yeah. 
now i mean i'm not to say I'm, that like it's impossible for someone to be that way but like she maintains that isolation within herself by not talking to the people that care about her and in fact lying to them a lot and then when they go away for a year uh cheating on them a bunch <laughs> like yeah Wait, did she cheat what? Yeah, there are several moments where she talks about taking random people home. Uh, after that, no, that, that was area that was before her marriage. Yeah, that was when mm. she was still in the in like the South America or something. Yeah, that was during a, like that was described as being during a phase of her life. It earlier. was after college. It was like her first assignment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Rock Bay or something like that. She spent two years like alone with tidal pools. With tidal pools, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, you're outvoted, Dan. And as you expected, who did we lose? Did we lose somebody? Well, no, Nick, sorry, he's, he wasn't here in the in the first place. No, but did did anybody else's Discord just? No. No? Nope. Okay. No. Just ignore me then. Sorry. I try not to. <laughs> well, there is a record but... of disconnection in, in the, the... Okay, good. Grid, but we're oh, back. So, okay, we're good. We're good. Okay. It was like Go one team. second. <laughs> um. Derailed. I derailed the whole thing now. I'm so sorry. Well, we'll edit you out. Um, okay. Go ahead, Rachel. The reason why I say she's kind of selfish in that type of way, it's mainly because when she's describing her work, how she like migrates from place to place, uh, it's without uh, it's like to fulfill her own whims versus like anything else, other any other ambitions or things like that. <laughs> I mean, she does. It's. She's yes, she's very closed off, very emotionally isolated. I like I'm not an expert in this sort of thing and I don't want to assert anything definitively, but I read her as autistic. Well, yeah, that's what I also read her as. Um you know, just very uh, like knowing how to interface with these things in particular and not with other things. Um, and I, you know, and I just, so I don't know, a little less, like that That took away a level of the, like reading her as selfish to me. Um, not to say those things can't overlap, but it, it diffused it. Yeah, I could see your point. I, I saw that, I, I thought she was also coded as autistic as well. Um, but I, the way she was just describing things to me, um, didn't. Also, I just didn't care about her. As I didn't have enough time to <laughs> care. If that makes sure. sense. Well, she doesn't give it. I mean, she's closed off even to the as a narrator, right? You know, it's not until mm -hmm. the physical world starts to break her down that we get more and more from her in the novel. Yeah, the world, uh, Area X changes her and she changes emotionally as well. Um, yeah. So what did you guys, um, I guess, come to believe the novel is, is about? I think it's about a lot of things, 
but I mean, what what kind of stuck out? Because I mean, it is it's one of those novels that is certainly more about the thing it's about than it is about the characters and their journey and the changes that happen to them. At least that's my um, opinion. It is, but also I hate that type of book, so I didn't get too much <laughs> into it. I was just like, you're trying something and I just don't care. So I'm over it with you. <laughs> I got no more well. use for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so Rachel refused to engage with the material. <laughs> Peter, did you come away with like... So I'm not sure that I've, that I've concluded on a, on an overarching, you know, metaphor or allegory. I, I found it very, I found the writing artistically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated the, the style or the choice that everything, Everything that is described with any detail is within area X. Everything, every time the, uh, oh, 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 within area X or within the biologist's particular sphere of interest. So it's area X or it's that pool, that overgrown pool uh, that she examines early in her life or the, uh, abandoned lot down the street that she goes to in the night that is, you know, teeming with life that most people overlook. Um, uh, you know, everything else about the world outside of Area X is, it doesn't merit any detail. It's, you know, my husband came home. We were in a, you know, like I took him to the bedroom. There's no detail about the bedroom. Um, there's no detail about anything except those tidal pools, which again, her particular sphere of interest, um, uh, in some ways the book is very explicit. I, I'm just coming to this now as I stumble over my words, very explicit about its, um, uh, metaphors maybe about it's something like that, because the biologist talks repeatedly about uh, transitions, uh, transitional places, uh, the tide yeah. pools, the pool. That's like uh, her area of study also. That's her. Yeah. That's her area of biological study, like either the ecosystems of transitional places. Um, but that is a metaphor, right? Transitional places are places of change. They're borders. They're, they're where all the interesting stuff happens. And, um, and I told myself I was going to try to talk less this time because I talked so much last time. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's so it. Like that is the the material of it. And she enters a transitional place, you know, emotionally and mentally and and because of the nature of Area X physically. And I wonder if maybe she hasn't been in transitional places emotionally if she hasn't transitioned like over much of the rest of her life, I could, I could read that into the book. Um, and maybe this is her first real like emotional transition since age five or something. Could be, uh, Katie, did you come away with any big sort of Um, morals to the story? I don't think I'm the right person for this question. Like, cause (laughs) I didn't really get anything out of the book. Like, I'm I'm probably not like smart enough for this topic. 
Also, I couldn't even, like, figure out the words on the wall. Because uh, I kept making the tower go the other way in my mind. So, I'm like... Oh, oh my God. God. Yes. Oh, God. I just could not I wanted to talk about this. So, <laughs> okay. So, I've read this... it's not just me. <laughs> no, no, no. So, this is... Um, the second time I've read this book and reading it this time, I realized that last time I read it and 90% of this time. So, so I mean, so first of all, there's a thing called the tower, um, which the biologist uh, uh, decides is called the tower. And I love the, the way that that in the book highlights how she is almost immediately irrational right it you know it's it's she is a thing that she knows upon seeing it and it's it's not a tower by any mean any description we would use it is like a spiraling staircase downward into the ground everyone else calls it a tunnel but she knows that it's a tower um i love that irrational like inspiration in her brain. It, it says so much in the book. Um, but so it's spiraling downward and along the stairs, um, like at, you know, chest height or eye height or something, there are these words written um, that are kind of just weak or creepy, right? It's something about, you know, when the hand of the sinner touches the blood fruit and everything, right? And you're just like, oh God. Yeah, and it's it's mostly just nonsensical, creepy right. stuff. Right. And you can tell how far gone people are by when they start kind of thinking it makes sense. But um, but in my, like, and they they say like, oh, and it's like kind of, there's like there's living organisms growing on it. Something must be writing it. And in my head, like 90% of the time, I'm thinking, weird, something is writing it backwards because of the like the way my brain spirals the stairs downward. Someone must be writing this script in reverse while they go down the stairs because that's it's in my head like it's on the right hand side of the wall yes. and yes. you're going down and rotating yes thank oh you oh my Katie. god yes oh, um, my and it's god. only like it was only like 70% of the way through the book that i said oh oh it makes more sense if the the, the creature is writing it forwards and it's on the left hand side of the wall and they rotate in the other direction that makes more sense but i can't that's imagine it how that way powers work you go the one way not the other you that's, go up yeah. one way and down the other and it's just yeah. wrong it's backwards I holy shit okay <laughs> <laughs> I, that's honestly I, it's a huge relief katie thank you oh my god I'm just gonna blame the dyslexia for this one because I was just like blah blah blah. I don't really no, care. Rachel, you did it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool oh, words. <laughs> anyway, we did finally get into why why it's um this is our this is Dan's pick for the underground book. Because it goes underground. Because yeah. it goes underground. Yeah. And A it's lot. Slightly under. And it's. I think it's. Don't remember if it's indie. Indie? Uh, no, indie no, pub. this is no, yeah. oh, not indie pub. No, no, no. No, Jeff Vandermeer is uh, has long been, I think, an editor of uh, 
of some science fiction magazines or something like that. Isn't he uh, part of Uncanny? I can't no. remember. No, shit. What okay. am I thinking of? No, that's a husband and wife team. Well, uh, Jeff Vandermeer is part of a husband and wife team with team with Anne Vandermeer, but I uh, don't oh. remember what well, he's they, Their last name is not Vandermeer. <laughs> that's fine. I, I'll take your word on that one. Um, I want to anyway. say it's the Thomases or something like that. I, I met them like one time, so. I should. I, they're basically my brother and sisters. Uh, they wow. live down in Champaign. Wow, you you remember your brother and sister so poorly. That's <laughs> really. Oh, you're so selfish, like this protagonist. Are you a biologist uh, by chance? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's the Thomases, Lynn <laughs> and Michael Thomas. Um. Let's see. The fantastic, uh, the uh, the person that tells me the Google tells me Annihilation was published by F is S G, whatever that is. <laughs> Isn't that the Russian spy agency? Um, <laughs> it's not. That's the FSB. Don't uh, at me. Um, yeah. Well. Um, so yeah. No, actually, I largely enjoyed it. Um, this your is... second way through. Did you did your opinion change at all on the second pass? Um, well, he figured out the words. <laughs> I figured out that that I'd been imagining the tower spinning in the wrong direction. Um, how how does it feel to have words in your brain that make pictures? Oh, are you a fantastic fantastic or whatever the word is? A I don't know. I think so. I, I'm like, I don't know what things look like in my brain. Do you not, do you not see, see images? I see darkness. Oh, damn. <laughs> you should get your eyes checked or something. Um, well, you know, like I, when I'm like picturing in my head, I'm just like, I see darkness. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if I tell you to imagine an apple, what do you see? I mean, I know what an apple looks like. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. There's there are there are there's a spectrum of of a fantastic and a fantasia, a fantastic. I, I don't know. Well, I think uh, about the apples that I know they're in my fridge. So I yeah, you put I, apples I don't, in the fridge. Oh yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Is that where they're supposed to go? It depends. Um, it depends it, on how fast you think you're going to eat them. I, it's a big whole thing of apples, so I keep them in the fridge to keep them longer. Y'all are weird. Yeah. I keep all my fruits and vegetables in the tower. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm not going to come up with my own. You say apples. So I'm picturing the apples that I know that are in my fridge versus like new apples. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I asked you that, but I'm really entirely unsuited to uh, or unqualified to to gauge what whether you are a fantasic or not um can i so. tell you guys a i'm secret? also the type that when they describe characters i don't remember it or i skip over it in books i'm like that's a character it's, I, like? I don't i don't imagine characters with much detail myself either i want to hear katie's secret when they were describing the tower i kept thinking of like the dungeons in Skyrim where you go down and then there's like, <laughs> and then so, so that's why the words were on the wrong side of the wall at the end. Well, so the, the, the thing <laughs> is, um, they have to turn to the left. 
Well, but you're not wrong, right? Spiral <gasps> spiral staircases. They always go usually, a certain way. They not always, but usually, and that is by design because they were built as part of fortresses or castles, and they were designed to hinder uh, right-handed swordsmen coming up the stairs and leave space for right-handed swordsmen fighting down the stairs. That's crazy. Today, I straight facts with Peter. Yeah. Weird. Did you learn that with the sabatons? No, no. That book, <laughs> that book was all about sabatons and harness and marching in full gear and how every knight has two men in arms and an archer or whatever. Uh, and caissons. Caissons is a yeah. different book. <laughs> you know, it, every time we mention this deep cut lore of F bomb, I kind of want to read that book. The the Red Knight. You go right too. ahead. <laughs> you, you go right ahead and come. We can have a special episode where you talk about what you thought about the Red Knight. Rachel, um, read it to me so I don't have to read it. Oh my! Are you asking the dyslexic person to read it to you? <laughs> That's going to be torture for both of us. Oh, that would be so funny. It's torture for me just thinking about it. Um, I can't pronounce half these words. <laughs> Sabaton. So, um, in a month or uh, in a few months, uh, I'll come back and say, either "Ha, I enjoyed it," or "Oh God, that was so I, bad." I'm in. I will be here. I'll record myself. We can talk about it. Um, yeah, that'll be probably terrible radio, but let's do it. Um, I mean. <laughs> Me and my friends did get drunk and watch Artemis Fowl and talk about it. Oh, so, no. I was there. Yeah. Have an episode I wasn't even drunk. I had the best yeah, cover image listen. of any podcast we've ever recorded. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to that episode. That movie yeah. is so bad. Anyway. So, um, yeah, are we... I don't know. Like, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I don't think I enjoyed it I maybe I enjoyed it a little bit more on the second read. I I liked it both times because it's it's really imaginative. Um, yeah, um, like it's not bad. I I just wanted it to be longer, and maybe it's just not. I'm not the type of person who's just grabbed by prose and metaphors. I mean, if it was longer, what would you want it to spend that time doing? That's not her job. That's the author's job. Uh, yeah. I just mean she seems to want more annihilation. No, I don't. <laughs> and want I had I had enough of it when it was done. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I just prefer narratives that spend longer with like small character moments, but not oh, okay. like. Okay, I say that, but also don't give me four hundred pages of nothing unless it's very unless you're Robin Hobb that I can do four hundred pages of nothing. Good to know. I mean, this was hardly 400 pages of nothing. And, and in some ways, like every page is about the, the, the character because it's all, you know, her narration. Um, but she is a not impenetrable, but a difficult to to penetrate character uh, by intention, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, when I read it the first time, I actually came away thinking that this was almost like a chaos narrative. Have you guys ever heard of a chaos narrative? No. Uh, it sounds like something I would hate. 
<laughs> for sure yeah i mean so chaos narratives are often like how they classify uh the memoirs of like cancer patients that they uh write as they're sort of becoming um kind of succumbing to their cancer so they their their mind is degrading and then eventually they die so the the end of the narrative is never is always abrupt and uh hmm. less and less coherent as it goes on is this kind um, of like stream of consciousness kind of stuff or it not, can not get way? to that um like if you've ever read house of leaves uh, i have not i'm pretty sure i know that i don't need to <laughs> it's i mean it's a very uh yeah I, one of these days i might force us to tackle that one because it's I super crazy the, but, a, yeah. a, a, i would sue the ada <laughs> i don't know what that means i mean so house I of I... leaves is literally written at some point or for large sections of it in different directions on the page with like oh. visual shapes being made of the words that are used to convey the story uh, isn't the ada a law you can't sue it i know i was it was a dumb i was gonna say she will invoke the ada the... oh from, yeah. okay. from the yeah. from its resting place in the hallowed was... halls of dc <laughs> uh, uh, the book uh, is not ADA compliant. But but no, like that that book is another one where the narrator and the narrative itself become less reliable and less coherent as it goes on. And for a while, I thought this one was kind of similar that whatever Area X is doing to the biologist, that her perceptions and conclusions and even descriptions of what's happening around her become less and less reliable. And then eventually her decision to abandon society and like go North to become a dolphin or whatever is, uh, you know, essentially her describing her own death, her own annihilation, so to speak. So ultimately, like, I don't think that's correct. Uh, but this book leaves itself so wide open for interpretation that I think there's a lot of ways you could interpret the the novel and and you know I don't know that yeah, that one is sure. totally invalid, but I don't like it. Yeah, the the book or that interpretation. The fact that it's very open. Mm. Just tell me what the fuck is happening, please. Don't leave well, it I, so to my I, imagination. So this was my third reading of it, and. I th I feel like I have a better like grasp of it because I was able to like not engage with the sort of events of the book and try to keep track more of like what the the metaphor of it is and armed with like what the movie does because the movie uh, is very straightforward in <laughs> what it's trying to talk about. You don't you don't agree, Peter? <laughs> I I no, I'm just the movie has almost nothing to do with the book. Um, I think it's just because it. it's more clear. It's so much more clear in what it's trying to say in its visual themes, in the story elements that it's telling. And also is a great movie because it completes its narrative and, and has a character arc for the main character and is visually interesting and is actually scary at times, like engaging in so, a way that like this novel never tries to be. So. so I, I think, I think a lot of those also 
match the novel if if you are enjoying it right it's visually interesting uh you know just through words i think we have a character arc um you know i've said this already that i you know maybe i hold a different a different perspective on it um i i think watching the movie annihilation immediately after reading the book was a bad idea um because the because they're so different and i'm looking for things that i am familiar with from the book and there's just almost nothing there um Aww. yeah it it does not include the tower it does no it does not there's include, no tower yeah um, they i think they, because the tower is very problematic in the book <laughs> problem even just in the way that it's not like it, it's a narrative it, it in terms of telling the story of the book it is it, unnecessary it is absolutely it's the it's the tom bombadil of annihilation <laughs> no no god no not at all right um like it is it forms the an obsession for nearly everyone there and particularly for the the narrator um and it's it is the the key to them being kind of unreliable and as i said earlier irrational uh very nearly off the bat um so i have to disagree with that because i think like it's the center of their attention because it draws it's, it forces them to pay attention to it, not because they are actually interested in it or learn anything useful from it. It forces itself on them to some extent. And I think that's very intentional in the book. Sure. Yeah. Can I just I... say that this is one of the reasons why I didn't like the book because there is just so many, so many things that like this, is important no it wasn't even important it was bombadil and he's it's a i i don't know like it was just, it's frustrating i think the book doesn't give you any heads up as to what's important it doesn't give you a metaphor and what's not like there's long stretches where um you know events are happening like the chase of the psychologist and then well, I could I could talk about the psychologist all day, but like because I, I don't I, by the psychologist. <laughs> I really? mean, I think she's Why? supposed to, but because she's, she's a mind controller. Works. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this book doesn't have a great view of psychologists because it keeps, uh, you know, keeps mind raping everyone. I don't know, like it, it's I'm very like, it's very strange. We... Why are we using hypnosis and trigger and sleep word or what is it? Sleeper cell words. Right. Yeah, right. where like everyone had subconscious uh commands like, implanted in them, yeah. Commands, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean like and that's like, you know, 70s pseudoscience to some extent. <laughs> it just seemed it's, it's like... also seemed kind of out of place with the rest of the setting that uh you know, they they'd all well, been hypnotized. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in place with, you know, at least one of the themes that we haven't maybe explored yet. Um, this is something that that I thought of. This came to mind earlier when you, Dan, said uh, the biologist isn't there to do research. She's, she's there because of her husband. Um, but in some ways, I don't think any of them is there to do research. They're all there as guinea pigs, right? They're being mm -hmm. sent in. Yeah 
to see what happens. Um, and in that regard, you know, they are absolutely, you know, without control, without self-determination. And the psychologist is, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, using implanted hypnotic commands, um, like a representative of that distant control that the Southern Reach is imposing on them, that they aren't there for their stated purposes. Well, they also right. go into about how during the training, like they're told these things, mm -hmm. but then later it's like, well, what did they actually tell us the truth when they went through our training? Like, what do we actually right. know about this place? And oh my goodness, I just right. we we are the thirteenth expedition into Area X, but that can't possibly be true based on things that we learn inside of Area X. But then again, how reliable is our narrator? Nam 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 nam. nam. Or and then and the not only notebooks, right? Not only that, but like at that point in the story is when I start to go: Is the narrator actually? a character in the story or are they just an avenue for the metaphor that Jeff Vandermeer is trying to tell? Do you know what I mean? Like what is his because, metaphor? Tell me his because metaphor. The, okay. We could talk about that in a second, but like oh because the details about the outside world and the Southern reach are unimportant to the story. Yeah. It unmoors the story from any sort of like common narrative and like doesn't fix itself in a way that makes the story real. I feel like Rachel had the most drastic reaction to that among all of us where she just rejects the story entirely because of that. If that's fair to say, Rachel. Yeah, I was annoyed by it. So I decided <laughs> yeah. I reject your reality and replace it with my own. <laughs> well, I think Jeff Vandermeer would probably say that's fair. Because of the way he wrote the novel itself, which is sort of like a rejection of uh, society and its way of thinking about uh, things. But, um, you know, like, I think that's also one of the reasons why it's so unsatisfying for me, especially in my first read through was like, I'm, I'm not prepared for that. There's nothing in the book is that's like, hey, or like a preface or something that's like, <laughs> hey, be prepared for this to not make narrative sense that the characters will abandon and not explore the things that you might find important as someone who is looking for a story and that they find important because they are like analogies or metaphors for the human experience and not actual people that I've tried to flesh out to make real. They're I mean, serving they a metaphorical purpose, not a narrative purpose. I mean, and they're, they're certainly in some ways um, just a maybe a morality play or something like that, right? Nobody has a name. The biologist, our narrator, is just the biologist. Uh, everyone else is the surveyor, mm -hmm. the psychologist, the anthropologist. And then there's just my husband. And I think that's yep. all the characters that are introduced uh, and, and the, the, the crawler. All the characters who are introduced. Um, if you the really linguist, but she out. didn't make it. What's that? Right. The linguist. She was oh, the, there. Yes, you're right. She the didn't linguist. even. 
Yeah, she tapped out before they even left for the expedition. Or before they came out of their hypnosis after leaving. It's unclear. But yeah. Um, right. So, and I think that like that's the one sort of upfront place that maybe should have informed us that like, well, these aren't actual people. These are stand-ins for parts of society and human experience more than they are actual like living breathing characters i mean i I still think we can't write off the surface fiction that you know this is all from the perspective of a character who is having an experience or relating an experience um and i'd go so far as to say that that you know calling people by their titles is it fits with her character, with her characterization. Oh, well, I, mean, I was going to say it's dehumanizing. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I know Literally. that it's not a, it wasn't, you know, it was something that they were encouraged to do by the ordered, Southern Reach. Ordered or, to do. Oh, fine. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it, it fits, I think it fits her character to just think of them that way anyway. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. Um, so, all right. I have a theory about what the book is about. I don't know if yes, you guys want to talk about that. Tell okay. me. Tell me. <laughs> okay. All right. I read it three times. And I think you, I think it helps to watch the movie because it, the movie, I feel like narrows down its scope of what it's about to just cancer. That's uh, what the internet says. Yeah, I mean, this book is about that also, but not to as a specific degree as as the movie is. And I think that like the movies is a more complete story because it executes better on that surface narrative while still engaging with kind of deep uh, analogs and metaphors uh, in its presentation, but ultimately having less questions uh uh you know about what is area x what what's what's it doing there and how to get there you know like those are actually answered in the movie uh but not really uh in the story i mean they make a vague reference in the book to you know sort of like that area x you know starts slowly growing yeah and is like this slow growth and then ultimately she's like but what are barriers anyway are there is are borders even a real thing or did i just make that up in my head i don't know anyway so uh i think the book it starts out at with the idea that like okay the southern reach the preparations they make that all represents the sort of outside society and then they need to cross this transitional border right into area x but that border is obscured and they're not allowed to observe it so they never know when they have passed this line into something only mm-hmm. they discover that they are they have done so when they are in that area all of a sudden so to me like that represents a few things one is like the sort of strange nature of realization that happens to all of us when we sort of reach transitional moments in our lives, big transitional moments. I think this one specifically is about knowing that you are no longer going to 
that you've reached the line where you are moving towards closer to death and away from and no longer like traveling, you know, through life as you would sort of normally. Like area X is the line where, oh, my death is approaching me now in a way that I can see and uh, appreciate. Whereas before I did not have a realization of sort of the nature of my mortality. Um, I think well, it's kind of specific. It, it leans towards uh, sort of the death by sort of can maybe cancer, but also just sort of like any long-term systemic issue, genetic issue or something like that, because it, it has a lot of visual metaphors that, uh, talk about sort of like the natural world and it in its invasion into you know the, the human experience which is what the southern reach sort of represents i mean i think you have a really strong point there about you know the area x representing transition representing change uh you know life changing change um and and i really like the interpretation there of you know the the characters in particular the you know the biologist you don't get to see the border you don't get to be aware of the border into change because change is happening before you are aware that it's coming right you but also because the psychologist and the hypnosis and sort of what that represents is the society prefacing you or, or obscuring your perception of your own mortality with a story about how your life is supposed to go and how you are supposed to live and die and that death will come, but it'll be something that is easily worked in to the existing framework and just sort of not thought about like it's out there it's gonna happen one of these days but uh you know it's fine the government's taking care of it you know i think no, that's I, a big I, part of it i mean i think i think the interpretation you're forwarding is is broadenable to you know any life-altering transition not just death um because I, I, you know, I think I think still, right? The psychologist representing the Southern Reach, representing you know, like the social pressure, the cultural impressions that we have, um, you know, try to, like, I don't know, exert a force that make us feel like we are just who we are, and that's who we're going to be. Um, whether or not it is death changing us and death absolutely gets a, you know, is treated terribly by, by social pressure, um, or whether it is other changes, um, then either way, society is not, uh, welcoming or dealing with them healthfully, uh, and, and putting that pressure on us to do likewise. I, yeah. I think, Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm liking your interpretations. I just, you know, I think we can broaden it. Well, I think it gets more specific about death when we find out about, and more specific to cancer, when we find out about the lighthouse and the other people that have come before, right? So then we're talking about sort of finding out um, that 
the stories we've been told or the information we've been given about the people who came before us didn't happen the way we thought and that actually they had a way worse time about it and uh, had a, had realizations about their end that were never shared with us because they've been kept secret or kept out of our, our ability to perceive. Um, and then their ultimate fate is that they return to nature, right? They become dolphins and otters and plant sculptures of people, right? Their journals, which are the only, you know, records of their mentality, of their personalities, uh, rot and molder at the bottom of the pile of journals. And often result in violence and terrible ends and betrayal, uh, none of which were we were allowed to know about by the Southern Reach. So then it goes back to the tower, right? And the tower is so this downward spiraling entrance into the earth, right? With a terrible monster that is etching a series of letters into the wall. So almost literally a visual metaphor for DNA, right? Uh, and Holy the fact shit. that... <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that there is a monster at the end, I mean, that's pretty clearly, I think, cancer, right? Because it is a, a process that is automated to some extent, happening beyond our control, in a lot of ways, a thing we don't understand but that can kill us, right? Uh, and often does. And at the same time, is also the lighthouse keeper. And the lighthouse and the lighthouse keeper, I have always assumed were metaphors for radiation treatment and doctors. Uh, and that's mostly because like, once the biologist goes to the lighthouse and experiences the light there. The visual descriptions that you get are very common in how people describe treatment during chemo and radiation treatments, which is that you can become very disoriented and it makes you very ill. And, you know, your parts of you are (laughs) purposefully being killed to while you know weakening the whole but also trying to excise a part of you that is trying to kill you uh so uh, you know i have had personal experience with uh someone in my life you know going through that exchange and so when i read this book actually during that time is when i sort of found a larger appreciation for the story but but not in so much that like i wanted to add too many stars to it i think you know even after reading it three times, I don't think it's terribly good, but, um, you know, it's interesting that like, you know, and I think there's still parts of it that I'm still trying to get a hang on, like the husband who's clearly a metaphor just for like a soldier who's, who went out thinking to do his duty and then came back changed in a way, you know, like, was that an attempt to describe like, actual soldiers coming home with like PTSD and then ending up dead or like being given cancer by like agent orange or something like that. I don't know. I I found that aspect of it very strange. And then, you know, like, is the story saying like, okay, this is a person who had this 
particular type of person in their life who went through that experience. And then they have to face their own mortality and cancer treatment after that person has left and sort of comes to terms with that death by saying, you know, I'm going to abandon society. I'm going to embrace this thing, get my treatment, but also ultimately sort of return to nature and seeing the world until it consumes me or I change or something, you know, trying to make good on the premise or the promise that uh, the husband makes, you know, when he comes back. I mean, I think that's one of the also key differences in the movie is how the husband is treated because like in the book, he just sort of dies off camera almost where she's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, he came back and then they took him and then he died. They told me he died of some kind of cancer, you know, uh, but, but like there's never talk of the funeral or like whatever happens to him afterwards. She just immediately kind of, uh, recommits to this promise. She told him, uh, you know, that she would make to, to go after him into area X. I mean, that's another interesting thing is that like, he asks, he's facing this same transition of like heading off into what we're calling like a metaphor for death. But like his, he asks her to follow, to follow him into that. And then she does like, I don't know what to make of that in terms of the, the metaphor I've constructed over the rest of the book. It's just very strange. And I think in some places, the metaphor just breaks down and and I mean, some I of those are just like, he's trying to just get his story into area. I, mean, I think you could interpret that as uh, him trying to include her in his journey, right? Which is mm-hmm. you know, transformative emotionally, et cetera, going through whatever it is he's going through, whatever it is the metaphor indicates. Um, and that eventually he comes back to her as someone that she doesn't recognize any longer yeah. because he's been changed and she doesn't and uh, recognize him. She has, she has not been changed um, and, and doesn't until she's forced to by going through the same thing. Uh, yeah. I think the movie mm-hmm. is also a little more positive. In oh, absolutely. Movie. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think the movie was a good representation of the book at all. Um, but, but it's absolutely more positive. Well, Um, I mean like the movie, I really like the movie, like five stars. I love the movie. Um, but I, I think like it does a better job doing maybe what Vandermeer wanted to do and strips away a lot of the superfluous stuff and just tells a good story with a lot of weird sci-fi shit in it while also making the allegory pretty surface level. Like there aren't that many levels to the movie Annihilation. And I feel like you really need to read the book at least three times. It seems like before you really can put it together, but I feel like the movie you can watch it once and probably come away with the majority of like what the movie's trying to say and get the narrative across the surface level narrative which can be fun on its own. And I don't think that's true for the book Annihilation. I don't think the surface narrative is actually very fun. I think it's told in a way that's kind of boring. Uh, you know, I agree with Rachel a lot, actually, <laughs> in her read of the, in her first read. I think like the first time I read, it, I almost had the exact same reaction as Rachel. Nice. 
uh, apathy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I felt cheated when I read this book the first time because it it just felt like he made all these promises about what was going to be happening in the book. And I was kind of enjoying the strangeness of it and the weirdness of it. And it just didn't go anywhere. You know, it just, it never even tried to answer the, the questions that it raises, but that's because <laughs> the questions it's raising are not on the surface level narrative, right? It takes a level of interpretation before you really can even see the questions that it's asking, which I guess is fine for like a literary novel, but I don't find that terribly enjoyable because who's got time to read a book more than once? I, I don't know why I did it. I hated a book so much. <laughs> it really took <laughs> someone in my life having cancer for me to even be like, hey, I remember reading a book that people kept saying was about cancer. I hated it. Maybe I'll take a look at it again. And I, I don't know why I did, but I did. Uh, and then I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, though, it does take quite a bit for, for to find something that you care about, Rachel. You know, people you know high what, level. Dan? You don't think you, that's true? My high school English true. teacher would have loved you, Dan, <laughs> with how much you can read into things. Well, like I learned it my from goodness. my high school English teacher. So. <laughs> I think it's a strong interpretation. I don't necessarily like seize onto it the same way you do, but I, I think it's a very strong interpretation. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, like I, I still would not like be like, "Hey, you should people should read Annihilation." I don't think I would ever say that. It, <laughs> it like, are that. you are you, you ready to read it. Annihilation three times? If you're ready to read Annihilation three times, go for it. <laughs> it was too, it was oh too goodness. hyped up for me, really, because it, 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 it was so polarizing. That yeah. I just got nah. I agree with that. I liked it. I think, you know, I would recommend it to people that I thought might enjoy it, which is not everybody. Yeah. yeah. That's right. um, All right. I think we've talked about Annihilation enough. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Good job. should Way we to go to uh, tell them what we're reading next? We are reading Leviathan by Scott Westerfield for Feld. our uh, Westerfeld uh, by uh, for our airship category thing. So. <laughs> Leviathan yeah, by Scott Westerfeld. There you go. Congrats. Ooh, ooh, new idea. We can all read the Order of the Stick. What for the Order of the Stick? <laughs> it's a it's a comic. There's oh, an airship in some of it. Yeah, there's an airship in some of it. That's right. Boom. It's like um, stupid we're not doing long, that. Though. So. Oh my god, it's so long. It's been around for. Poof. 20 no 15 16 years anyway uh no well, we're we not doing not that actually we're read reading that. instead leviathan by scott westerfield join us next Feld. month Feld. Feld. damn it i'm looking right at it and i still miss it. <laughs> all right hey i've been your host dan evanson thanks for joining us you can find my stuff at danielevinson.com uh hey pick up my new anthology called uh the world of juno you can find that at danielevinson.com uh, Katie, where can folks find you? You can find me in the studio. No, okay. Um, Great. You can here's, find the, here's Katie's address. You can drive over to the studio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come hang out in my closet with me like a fucking weirdo. Um, He'll put you to work, though, if you go over there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've got a lot of shit to do right now. So, um, yeah, come on over. No, you can uh, 
check out my bookstore, griffinsroostbt.com, where I... Yes, and you can also, thank you, Rachel. Gosh, you always got me. Um, You can also support me on Libro.fm if you, um, there's like a link or a clicky thing, and you can clicky it, and then you can support any bookstore of your choice that's signed up, and I am signed up. It's so great. She can can see what books you buy every month. It's true. It's true. Rachel is just really into smut lately. Yeah, the kingdom of death is so smut, <laughs> so smutty. Well, you know, it's the kingdom. And of me the going just hearing the title, yeah. All right, Rachel, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me most everywhere at Argent Rave. I am currently helping my friend covers with Cassidy uh, narrow down this phase one uh, books for Spiffbo. It's been a time, uh, so go check out her channels. Um, as well to get her opinion uh, thoughts on that uh, it, it doesn't help me but helps my friend so what's Cassidy's YouTube uh, page covers with, uh, covers with Cassidy covers with Cassidy yeah support Alliter- the alliteration yeah yeah support the self-published fantasy blog off I like it a lot uh, have entered yeah. before did not win but had oh, I didn't time. know you entered I entered the very first one yeah uh, yeah. And then I encouraged my friend uh, who wrote uh, the winner of the second one. I think it was the winner. Maybe it was the runner up. Uh, the winner uh, of the second one is. Uh, I have. I don't. Ha- I have it on my computer open right now. The Gray Bastards. Oh. Oh no! Yeah. So uh, I don't remember. Anyway, his name's Dirk Ashton. He wrote the Paternus series, which I think was a runner up. In one of the years, anyway, yeah, and unrelated. I read. Uh, I participated in last year's Biffos Cassidy's versions, or you read the ten finalists and had a great time, uh, and really liked Small Miracles by Olivia Atwater. Everybody yeah. did. I watched the video of Cassidy's introductions, and everyone's like, "And my favorite from last year was this one." Well, <laughs> yeah, last year's <laughs> favorites were April Storm, A Touch of Light, and then Small Miracles. Very different books. <laughs> uh, we should stick those in our list. Yes. Done. All right. Peter, where can folks find you? In Katie's closet. Dun, bow, chicka, bow, dun, wow. Dun. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, we went in two am... different directions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, uh, people can find me at pashafer.com. That's P-A-S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R, where I post microfiction weekly on Wednesdays. Um, you can also find me at shoelesspeat.com, where I uh, have you can you can track down my role-playing game, The Well, which is published and available for purchase and is all underground. Wow. It also feases in an, an inverted tower of sorts. So it it's really never called does. That. <laughs> it, no, I don't call it that at all. I call it a well. Um, anyway, it's a it, game. It makes more sense to call it a well. Get your act yeah. together, Annihilation. What were you doing? Yeah, well. Jeffy Jeff. <laughs> um, and this, I, I'm going to introduce a new part of our outro. If you have authors who you want us to bug and maybe get on our podcast, tell us. Oh, maybe, yeah. They may appear. Yeah, mm. you can tell us by uh, visiting our Discord, which you can find at too many thoughts media.com. 
Uh, or you can email us at uh, podcast at too many thoughts media dot com. Or you can yell no. really loud. No, too many thoughts media dot com at gmail dot No, yeah, too many thoughts media <laughs> at gmail dot com. There, I got it. Oh, we're professionals. Yeah. We've been doing this for four years, everybody. I wouldn't call us professionals. <laughs> um, yeah, you can yell it really loudly, and Katie will hear you via the spy cameras. <laughs> Right. Yes. So uh, please uh, give us good ratings, reviews. We, uh, you know, I've, apparently those are good for podcasts. And uh, if we like it, we'll read it on, on the podcast. More importantly. If we don't us... like it, we'll read it on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to say <laughs> that. More importantly, send us photos of your bookshelves. You can put them oh, on the Discord. Too. You can send us an email. Katie loves it. And we all I appreciate it. And we will thank you on the podcast. Um, is that it? Are we done? That's it. Can I go home? Yeah, Katie, can I sign off? Mm, Okay, well, we'll see. Okay, well, until next time, keep reading.